Reading Citizens, I'm Jason McClellan, and today's episode of Unknown is a special episode that was recorded live on stage at AlienCon Los Angeles on Sunday, June 23rd. The rest of the Unknown team was there, Maureen Ellsbury, Ryan Sprague, and Shane Hurd. And for this episode, we discuss the stigma that still surrounds the UFO topic. It's always fun recording episodes live in front of an audience. We certainly had fun with this episode, and we hope you enjoy it. Greetings, citizens, and welcome to Unknown. I'm Jason McClellan. I'm here with Ryan Sprague, Maureen Ellsbury, and Shane Hurd. And today we're recording live from AlienCon LA. And we love doing these live recordings, not only because we're all together in the same place, which doesn't always happen, but also because we have the wonderful privilege of having a live audience today. Thank you guys so much for being here. How's it going, LA? Love having you guys here, and we hope to incorporate you into the show today. Thank you so much for being here. So today, we're going to spend most of our time together talking about what's known as the giggle factor, or the ridicule factor, attached with the topic of UFOs. The subject of UFOs, the very word itself, is stigmatized. UFOs have been in pop culture for a long time. Everybody loves seeing UFOs in movies and on TV, but what we're talking about today is UFOs in the real world, when someone claims to have seen a UFO. It hasn't been uncommon for claims of UFO sightings to be met with smirks, giggles, and outright ridicule. Because of this ridicule factor, many people refrain from sharing personal experiences or even attempting to discuss the topic of UFOs in public. So I want to give you an example to start off here. So I was recently interviewing a college professor at one of the largest public universities in the country. The topic of the interview wasn't related to UFOs at all. It was completely unrelated, and it was probably something about academics. I don't remember exactly. But this gentleman was in my office, and he happened to see a copy of a book on my desk. And it was a book that I'd written recently called Only Weirdos See UFOs. He saw this book sitting on my desk, and that's what prompted what I'll play for you now. I saw a uh, flying craft one time. Did you? Yes. Um, it was in the winter in December in Tennessee, and it had been spotted several times by other people, usually in the in the night. And because it was in December, it was very clear, you know, not a lot of humidity, anything like that, so you could see for a long way. And um, I talked to several people who had seen it or knew someone who had, and most of the sightings were in and around the freeway. And I was coming back uh, from Nashville uh, late at night, and I looked over and said, holy shit. You know, and it was a huge vessel mm. that was a layer cake kind of thing, you know. Yeah. A lot of red-orange with what appeared to be windows, and there was a rotation to it. <clears throat> and it was amazing. And uh, the person in the car, I said, you know, look at that. And we were just stunned. I said, we've got to get a picture of this. And she reached in the back seat and screamed. And the reason is, there was some kind of vehicle, literally 
was doing 65 right on our bumper. And it had very funny configuration of, of lighting. It wasn't like two headlights. Yeah. It was very different from that. And I just thought, fuck. And I just floorboarded yeah. it. And instantly, whatever was behind us was gone. Wow. And my car wasn't that fast. <laughs> and it was very amazing. I've never forgotten it. I was in Tennessee last week, and I was making that ride. It was yeah. in the daytime, and I thought about this. This is about roughly where it was. And, uh, what year was that? <clears throat> Maybe 1970. So there were essentially two vehicles, two. There was a huge, the mothership, and then what I viewed as a scout ship that was literally right behind us, you know, and, uh, and literally. Did it have wheels? I, mean, do you think I have no idea, because it was dark, and, I, and, I was, and it was so close I couldn't see well. So Mainly all I could see was the lights. And again, the lights were a kind of funky configuration. They weren't like this. Yeah, yeah. They were more like, like that. Okay. You know, and uh, <clears throat> a triangular kind yeah. of thing. But what was amazing was the big, the big vessel. Yeah. It was gigantic. Yeah, you know, it was really big. And I'd say it was maybe 500 yards from the freeway. Wow. <clears throat> because it was in December, there was no foliage, a clear night, you yeah. know, stars in the sky and all that. And so it was just outrageous. And again, lots of people had seen it yeah. over that month. Yeah. <clears throat> Who knows what it was? So you think it was there for more than one day? Yes. Yes, because I know that yeah. some of the people who saw it saw it at least a week before I did. <clears throat> oh, interesting. You know, and I, di I didn't see that big object fly. It sure. was hovering. <clears throat> and, you know, it could have been some kind of weird secret NASA thing that we never heard about. I mean, I don't know what it was, you know, but it certainly wasn't like any craft I ever saw, you yeah. know. And um, So as far as sightings go, this is a pretty incredible UFO encounter and told by a respected college professor at a major university. But he told me that he hadn't ever shared this story with anyone before. And when I asked him for permission to use the recording of his story for this podcast, he obliged, but only under the condition that I not reveal his identity. Because he, although now he is a professor emeritus, he's retired, he's still worried about the sort of backlash that he would face if, it, it, at least as far as he perceives, that he would have to deal with if people knew that he was talking about having a UFO experience. And this is something we've all seen a lot over the years during our time in the UFO field. And Ryan, you've spoken to several people about UFO encounters. Um, and that's what your book, Somewhere in the Skies, focuses on. So how difficult was it for you to get those witnesses to agree to have their identities published? Yeah, so when I first decided to write this book, I knew I wanted to focus on the individuals having the experience, so I was up front. I, I told many people, if you want to be in the book, you have to use your real name. Uh, I, want, I want people to know that like everyday people are having these experiences and that they embrace it and that it's a part of their life. So I told them flat out, like, if you're going to be in the book, you got to use your real name. And at first, everyone's like, totally, it's fine. It's totally fine. Um, same with my podcast. If people come on to talk about their experiences or tell their stories, they're like, I would love to do it. Yeah. Uh, I remember about a week or so before the publication of the book, I had one person come to me and say, I don't, I don't want my name in there. And I told them, it, there's nothing I can really do at this point. Mm -hmm. It's already off to the publisher yeah. and all this. And the woman got really upset and nervous. And she said, I, I, 
I regret doing this. I don't want like all my coworkers to start making fun of me. Like it, it, it seemed okay at the time, but now I'm like really worried. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I'm like, it, it's too late. It's too yeah. late. Um, unfortunately, it had to go to almost legal blows, and uh, I had to take her story out of the book. Wow. So that happened with the podcast too. Someone came forward, told their story. The episode had already been out there for like a month at that point. But someone came to me and said, please take it down. Please take it down. Hmm. So it's not easy. It can't be easy getting, once it's out there, it's out there. Mm-hmm. Your family's going to know about it. You're, if you have children, like their kids' friends are going to know about it, your coworkers. So I commend anyone who can come forward with their name and report it but yeah. we'll get into that yeah i do too and, and we've all worked in the ufo field for so long now that we're comfortable talking about ufos as we are any other subject but maureen can you remember when you first got professionally involved in the ufo field um how did people respond when they would find out that mm-hmm. that's what you did that's how yes. you, made, you made your living that was fun um <laughs> so i did have a lot of reactions from people uh I use my mom as an example. I love my mom to death. Um, she's very lighthearted and fun. But when she heard I was doing this, she could not stop laughing. She thought it was so funny. So anytime she would say, oh, what does your daughter do? Oh, she's a UFO journalist. Uh, she would giggle when she said it. Um, but now, you know, it's been a decade later. She's, she's very... I think that the ridicule factor in her own mind has gone down. So now she is like, oh, yeah, she does this cool stuff. She was on TV. She did this. You know, she, she researches the unknown. And, and that's great. You can see the evolution there, which is, is not normal. But, but again, I had that experience where um, when I first got involved, I, was, I think I was in my early or mid-20s, early 20s probably. And so I was hanging out at the bars a lot. And my friends would always, anytime we met people or they would introduce me to someone I didn't know, would say, tell them what you do. So then I go into, oh, well, I'm a UFO journalist and and researcher. And they'd be like, what? And some reactions, for sure, they were like, well, that's really weird, but kind of cool, sure. And then the most often reaction I would have, though, is, I've seen a UFO. Can I please tell you my story? Right which is amazing. So I have been able to hear so many stories I would not normally hear. Um, and it really gave me an idea of how big this phenomena is, uh, that people are seeing this often. And it was totally, um, these are credible people that I know, even friends and, and uh, associates that have these really amazing stories. And they, I never, they come out and say, like you said, like, I've never told anybody this, but they know they can tell me because, well, I'm already off on that far, uh, far field of the UFO phenomena, so, oh, finally a safe space to say this story. Um, and that's sad because some of these stories were so remarkable. I'm like, why didn't, why didn't you publish this? Why, or why haven't you talked about this? Uh, people should know. It'd be great for the research and phenomena as a whole to know all the details of this stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really amazing to see how... how much people hold inside over all the years because they're afraid to say it, and it shouldn't be that way at all. And Shane, I'd love to hear the reactions you get because you are somebody who is in the scientific world. You are in local government world. So, you know, those reactions have to be 
pretty interesting when people find out that you're also wrapped up with UFOs. Yeah, I was very uh, reticent in even letting anyone know for yeah. a couple of years. I, I've been a MUFON investigator for about three years, but I didn't breathe a word of it. Um, again, it's a very professional environment. Every, everybody, there's PhDs and master's degrees, and it's, you know, it's engineering and it's information technology. And, you know, these, if you know an engineer, the way they think is very, you know, in a box kind of a thing. And so this very um, out-of-the-box kind of um, thing that I'm involved with would just not fly well. So I kept it pretty secret, uh, but then in time, sort of opportunities came, leave a book on my desk, people ask about it. And I was surprised to find, kind of like Marine's experience, people were, oh, really, you're into that? Well, can I tell you about th when this happened to me or this, what I saw? And, oh, that's really kind of cool. So it's really kind of an, uh, once you break the ice of it, then, you know, it's amazing some of the information you get from people. But, yeah, that, that ridicule factor is, is strong and powerful. It really is. And I love hearing this, this common thing. And I knew we had this between us. But isn't that, it's so fascinating to me how that door just opens, right? And I'm sure you've experienced this too, Ryan, right? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, you tell people what you do. There's that, that still that, that giggle factor. Oh, yeah. there's, the, there's the little laugh. But when they find out that you're serious about it, then they do the, oh, I've, I've seen a UFO, oh, or, or my uncle's seen a UFO, and the stories come out. Yeah, I mean, I have an extremely understanding and loving, loving significant other who supports what I do, but I lost so many second dates bringing up that I'm like a UFO researcher. But at the same time, when I'm at that bar or I'm out and people find out what I do, uh, there's definitely a little, you know, ridicule and a little side-eyed glance, but then later in the night, they'll come up to you when you're in line at the bathroom and be like, I have a story to share with you. So everyone has some sort of story to tell, whether it's paranormal or UFOs or just something that they can't explain. And they're just looking for someone, not to necessarily answer it for them, but just to listen. To listen. To listen and see how they react and like sort of gauge the room of like, is this okay to talk about? And I see that changing, but it's it's never going to go away. Right. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about the change a little bit later. But back in April, the Washington Post and countless other media outlets ran stories about how the Navy specifically was reworking their UFO reporting procedures. And at one point, these stories made, uh, or one point that the, the stories are making is that the Navy specifically is trying to destigmatize UFOs in the hopes that their personnel will feel more comfortable reporting UFO sightings. And this is a central theme in the History Channel's new show, Unidentified, right? I mean, the focus on reducing the stigma surrounding the topic. And what do you guys think? I mean, I, I think personally that's incredibly important because we know, we know for a fact that not just the Navy, but military in general, military personnel encounter UFOs all the time. Yeah, but I mean, this is interesting, though, because we know this has existed for a long time. Uh, we, Jason and I, where we used to work, Open Minds, we had this treasure trove of old materials, of manuals, and all sorts of stuff. And I, I'm going to be honest, I don't remember if it was uh, the Army, the Navy, the Fire Department, or what it was, but it was official ways for people to report UFOs. And it mm -hmm. was in the manuals already. Mm -hmm you know, in the, the 40s. So 
this is good that we're re-evolving the procedures, and I think it's super important, and uh, especially because the whole idea is it's a UFO, or if you want to use the term UAP, it's unknown. We're not saying that these are all extraterrestrial spacecraft coming down to abduct people. It's These are mysterious objects that we cannot explain in our skies right now, and again, like we always talk about, it's how can something we don't know what it is flying around in our airspace and or diving in underwater, how can that not possibly be a threat if we do not know if it is hostile or uh, benign, basically? So I think that drafting these procedures is extremely important, and it's a good thing it's happening again. It's not the first time it's happened. Um, but yeah, I think we're headed in the right direction slowly, and. Uh, hopefully um, we start to see that being taken more seriously. I was thinking too that um, when it comes to the ridicule factor, the source, the original source of the ridicule factor is the military. They That's made a, a concerted effort long ago that this is how we're gonna handle this. We're gonna poo-poo it by ridiculing people. Right. So the Navy coming out now and sort of taking away that, that stigma a little bit, I think will go a long way to reducing that stigma because they're the ones that started it, basically. Not the Navy specifically, right. but, but the government. So once leadership in our country starts um, you know, allowing this to, to be treated in a serious way, then hopefully it will release it. But it will take time because that people are scared, scared for their jobs, scared for their family relationships, for, for their religion, all those sorts of things. So. I think it will be a powerful tool if it allows to continue to help reduce that ridicule. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard any reported cases of wild swamp gas lately. <laughs> That's true. But I am glad, Shane, that you brought up the origin, and that, that is true. And I do just want to point out that what he's talking about, we hear a lot about you know, the, the evil government or, or the government being the bad guys with when it comes to UFOs because of the, the, the government cover-up with all of this. And that all isn't conspiracy or conspiracy theory, we, we know that for a fact, and specifically with ridicule, we know that for a fact too. That was an established official policy of the US government to ridicule the topic of UFOs, to make people who reported UFOs seem like silly weirdos, to make the topic itself seem like a whole bunch of, of silliness, and the mandate also included using popular culture, things like radio, things like movies, things like TV, to push this message that, yeah, UFOs are fun, silly sci-fi, but that's it, and anybody who believes UFOs are real are nuts. So yeah. that was an established policy. So you can, you can read all about that. That is public record. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, the CIA specifically sought out the biggest newspapers in the country uh, and told them to make fun of this. If anyone reports it, it gets into the local newspaper, do whatever you can to downplay it and make the people seeing these things laughable or crazy or hysterical. And that even goes into Blue Book. Right, yeah. and it's not just the US government either. The yeah. UK government had an official policy with their UFO program too. And you know, Nick Pope's been talking here all weekend and he's somebody who's certainly can speak to that because he served in a, an official capacity in that role with their UFO program. And he's come out and said, look, that was an official policy we had. He calls it spin and dirty tricks. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what they did. They sought out to make fun of people who reported UFOs. Yeah, I think it's important too to 
to sort of realize that when the government hired an astronomer to debunk UFOs, he couldn't do it. And he actually flipped around and became a believer. So right. even the government hired people to say, you're not seeing this, you're not seeing this. And for like the leading astronomer to come out and say, you are seeing that, and I can't explain it. Uh, it's, it's very telling, in my mm-hmm. opinion. So yeah, a lot of this stems from the 40s and 50s. Hmm. And a lot's happened since then. Yeah. And we're seeing a lot happen now at a very accelerated pace. So I just love to get your guys' thoughts about whether or not you, you personally feel, based on what you're seeing, because we're very wrapped up in this, in this field, um, but also watching what's unfolding in the general public with this topic. So Shane, I guess I'll start with you. Do you feel that the stigma surrounding UFOs has changed at all? I think it has. I, I got involved more seriously about 10 years ago, and like I said, I was scared to death to let anyone even know. But in the last few years, I, I think um, with, with what's happened with TTSA in particular, um, sort of mainstreaming this and seeing it on television, which is how you reach the most people in, in today's world, um, seeing that wall getting broke down a little bit has helped ease it. So. You know, now, you know, I'm more comfortable, you know, talking about it to people at work or, you know, family or whatever. Now I'm kind of known as, oh, you know, the UFO guy. But, you know, to, to like my granddaughters and stuff, I'm a, I'm a hero. I mean, they just think it's the coolest thing ever. So, you know, it is changing. But, again, just like the example you play, that gentleman, the, the professor, there's still a lot of people who would not be comfortable with it. And you have to respect that. And even um, as an investigator with MUFON, one of the first boxes you check when you submit a report to MUFON is do you want it to remain anonymous or not? And that's something we strictly adhere to. We will never reveal anyone's name or identity in any way. And and even if they change their mind, they have to actually fill out a form and sign it that says it's okay to do that. So, I mean, it just shows you it's intact, it's there, but I do feel like it's easing up a little. So I think you mentioned the TV shows, you know, and we're seeing a lot of that right now, and we're also seeing media outlets all around the world writing about UFOs pretty much every day. And, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to just public education. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's what we're seeing now. We're getting a lot of that, and, and it's just really getting the general public to understand that UFOs aren't just something from sci-fi or something that only crazy people in a trailer park see, right? right. Because that is the picture that has been painted. But as we all know, and I can't say it enough, but we know that people from all walks of life all around the world see UFOs mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. And the general public doesn't realize that. Right. Yeah. just needs to be advertised and people get educated. Yeah. 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 I mean, look at, like, this right here. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. There's people from all over the country, probably other countries too, here at AlienCon. And that just shows, like, there's not only there's not only like a hunger for entertainment about this sort of stuff there's a hunger for knowledge about it too so it's so cool to see events like this where they're inviting ufo researchers also to come and tell our stories about the work we've been doing for so long so it for me it's validation and vindication that what we're doing and the pursuit that a lot of people here probably are doing is to find the truth about something that either happened to us or of a friend or someone you know and um, legitimize it 
Yeah, and we like mentioning this. I mean, a big reason we come to events like this is because the vibe is so cool, right? And you see so many people coming to their first event like this where they feel like they're in a safe space because they're around like-minded people. They can openly talk about this, this subject that they can't talk about in their, their personal lives or they don't feel comfortable talking about it to anybody. And this is the first time they've ever mentioned not only experiences, if, they, if they've had experiences, but even an interest in the topic, right? So I think there's a tremendous value in events like this for people to come and then once they're here and they start talking or hearing the discussions happening around them, they're able to open up more and they feel more comfortable talking about it because they realize it's not such a stigmatized topic anymore. Like everybody has an interest in these subjects. Right, and I mean, you look at something like the experiencer session yesterday here at AlienCon. We didn't know what to expect. We did this in Baltimore as well. We thought maybe two, three people would show up and we'd really have to stretch for time. And then by the end of it, the room was like, people were spilling out of it. And yesterday was the same thing. Like, we were in this same room and every seat was filled. Right. So clearly, people want to tell their stories. They have stories to tell. And they know that there are people willing to listen. So I think things are changing, for sure. You see so many uh, television shows coming out and podcasts and stuff like that. And like you said, around the world, too. It's not just in the United States. Uh, the topic is just becoming more and more mainstream, which is something we strive for for so long. Yeah. So I don't know if yeah. you guys feel this, but I have a bit of shame for doing this myself because I'm not helping. But I feel like I kind of have to defend what I do sometimes when I tell people what my profession is. Um, I, I want to get to that point where I don't feel like I need to give people an explanation when I tell them what I do. It's like, oh, I'm this because, you know, and, and rifle on how, you know, I, I actually take this subject very seriously, I'm not crazy, how, what, what have you. Um, and I think I'd like to say, like, yes, it is, it is reducing now. We're getting a lot of, of really good press about this field and people are taking it seriously. We have so many military and pilots uh, now coming forward. But as somebody in the UFO field, I feel like I'm, being a little bit detrimental in terms of, of feeling like I have to defend myself when I talk about what I do. It's not like being ashamed of sharing my story. It's like, okay, this is going to sound crazy, but I work in the UFO field. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. And, and I think once we can get past that, it'll also help destigmatize the, the field yeah. as well. Right. I wonder how much of that stigma is, is self-inflicted, yeah. right? Because yeah. <laughs> you, you have that hesitation, and we all assume that it still exists. Right. Because everybody's hesitant. They don't want to share stories or even broach the topic until they hear that you're not going to make fun of them. Exactly. Right? That, well, that little bit of giggle factor. And Ryan, like yeah. Ryan said, it's like very hard to go on dates when you're talking about UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right, Ryan. I mean, everybody you know, has these, these stories, and you, know, you mentioned that the... the problems you had with, with women because of it, but I guess I think all of us are up here are grateful that happened because you're in a better place because of it. But uh, if any of you have stories that you would like to share with us, we'd love to hear them about, you know, any time, because we, we've heard so many stories of people who have lost, uh, you know, relationships, who have lost jobs, uh, you know, their lives have been affected because 
they've spoken out about UFO experiences or beliefs on UFOs or anything like that. So if any of you have stories in the audience that would like to share those with us, we'd love to hear those. Uh, but how do you see in the next year, I guess year, with everything that's happening right now at a rapid pace, with all of the media blitz that's going on about this topic, with the Navy's extreme interest in it right now, all the TV shows, what do you think out of all of these things are going to have the most impact mm -hmm. in really showing to the public that this is now a mainstream topic? I'll start with that one. I've spoken to at least three college professors, I think in the last year mm -hmm. or so, right. who are now teaching courses in college about UFOs in all different capacities, whether it's from a scientific approach, an academic approach, a historical approach, or even a sociological, cultural approach. I see things changing very big in terms of like a cultural shift. I think there's absolutely no question anymore that UFOs exist. That seemed to be the question for so mm -hmm. long. Right. And we get that question all the time. Are UFOs real? And that's not even a question. Yes, obviously they're real. They're clearly just, they're unidentified objects. Mm -hmm. um, it's no longer a question of if, it's, now it's the what, the who, and the why. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the next step, is really trying to hone in on what these phenomena represent, and whether they're aliens or something else, uh, we're not in a position to say. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're now asking new questions. I think that's important. Yeah, I, I like what you're talking about uh, in the education front. Mm -hmm. And over the last 10 years, we've also seen this down to the elementary level. And I love right. seeing this. There's always some article that's like, oh, this, this science class in fifth grade, they had a crashed UFO, and the kids had to go out onto the field and investigate the mm -hmm. crash and uh, use the scientific method to detail uh, and interview witnesses. And I think that's Fantastic! I wish that I had that sort of programming oh, yeah. when I was yeah. in school and or in college. That's awesome. Yeah. There, there is some sort of online thing where you can get, I think you did it, that you could get the ufologist degree, oh, which I was kind of a joke. Or was it, degree. oh, no, it was did. somebody who did it. No. Well, anyways, there is no like ufologist degree, <laughs> so don't do that. But uh, I think understanding, again, like getting down to um, ingraining this, from a young age that it's not something to laugh about and it's something that's totally acceptable. We all see occasionally strange things we can't explain. Uh, that's a great way to, I think, change the course and change the conversation and change the uh, way we're gonna advance in the future. In the next year, I would say for me, even though I, I don't always trust them. I would say that some of these more mainstream media news outlets posting serious articles about the UFO subject outside of the TV programming, um, that seems to draw a lot of, of good attention. And so right. I think that's one of the primary sources that is going to make the most change over the next year. Yeah. The public education is, is really key, I think, because there's still just a lot of misperception that continues to get pushed, right? I mean, first we have to get over the hurdle of helping people understand that UFOs are quite common, right? They're seen every single day all over the world, but also who's seeing them and who's taking the subject seriously. Right? All of a sudden it's news that the Navy's taking UFOs seriously. The military and the government have always taken UFOs seriously. They've not always shared that information with us, but they've always taken the subject seriously. 
the scientific community. That's another misperception that the scientific community wants nothing to do with UFOs. They think it's ridiculous, and that is not true. Yes, that is the established mainstream position that not really anything interesting to see here, but there are countless mainstream scientists who actively Mm -hmm. research this subject. Yeah, I think, too, when you think about it, what we're seeing happening now, people are calling kind of a confirmation or a disclosure. But what it is is, is um, you know, when you educate people, you start with the more elemental and basics. Then you add more information once they've been able to assimilate that, and you keep keep adding more. So what we're seeing now is, look, we're we're now talking about you know the what, when, and where, which is something that you can have data for. You know these. Navy radar systems and, and um, other sensors, they, they can answer those questions, right. establishing the reality that these objects exist, mm-hmm. right? But that's, that's a big deal to even have the general public, you know, accept that, that, you know, these things are real and they're not ours. So it'll take a while. We'll live in that world at that level. And then we'll go to the next grade, you know, and then pretty soon we'll be up to the point where we'll be asking now who and why. But it will take time. You just can't come out of the gate and do that. So, bringing the you know the public's attention and and knowledge of the subject in a progressive and controlled way is really the way I think that it's going to happen and go about it, and it's probably the correct way to do it. Shane, I know you deal with people on an individual level as an investigator, and these are people you know just like Ryan did with his book, and he does every single day really uh, working with people for his podcast. Ryan focuses on experiences, um, really, and the people and hearing the stories. You as an investigator go out and talk to these people you know, shortly after they've had something and you're investigating these cases. And how difficult is it, because I know I've talked with you about this, about just different personalities and how people react to UFOs. But how, how hard do you have to work to really pull information out of people? Because I know it's a huge step for people to first take that step to even report a UFO experience to MUFON, a yeah. UFO organization. Yeah. No, that's a good point and good question. You know, you get a very wide array of individuals, personality types, people from walks, all walks of life, different ages, different genders. I mean, you can't control what comes into to MUFON. So you have to be prepared to handle it anything and really you do get a wide array of things but you know the I think the common thread there is that if a person has come to the point that they're willing to make that report it's really a form of communication to you they they want to tell that story to someone now some people are more concerned about hey can you tell me what I saw and other people are like right. I don't need to know what I saw I, I've got this off my chest so sometimes when you conduct an interview you know, it's um, somebody just, you know, you can just tell they're just aching to tell you about it and want, you know, and want, just want to unload. And other people are just super factual. Well, you know, I just saw this, 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 and that, and that's it. So you, you, you know, it, it's an experience that's different for every individual. Yeah. And you have to just be sensitive to that. You can't be judgmental. You know, you got to make, make them comfortable in talking to you. So... That's one of the big parts of, a, uh, of an investigation. And I'll, I'll say the most important piece of data you can have is the eyewitness testimony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, photos, videos. I mean, you'd have an awesome video, but with no context, it means nothing. 
You've mm -hmm. got to have that. So, yeah, it, and I always say this. UFOs is really about people. And, and, and I, I strongly believe that. And, and so when you interact with people on this level, you really get the sense that, you know, this is a profound and meaningful thing. And so you got to handle it correctly. Mm -hmm. They talked a lot about that on um, uh, Friday or Saturday was the empathy factor. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you're right. It's important to have that because... Uh, you do not know the background of the people that are reporting these things, and some people are very traumatized. Some people are, are just blasé about it. So you have to have that level of respectful, objective reporting always when going into this. And I think that, again, is important with uh, how you deal with things and how people are going to feel more comfortable coming forward, and we're going to reduce this, this factor that people can't uh, share their stories. It's a great point, Maureen. But going back to, you know, we're talking about you know the general public and and you know hoping to get people to open up and be able to talk about this subject more. But going back to the sort of self-imposed uh, element of all of this, for you personally, how has the topic of UFOs changed for you in terms of of that that stigma or holding back? Do you like own it now when you just talk about UFOs in public or you know with friends or whatever, mm -hmm. or is there still that hesitation? Um. I think occasionally there is a little bit of hesitation. I think it's when I, uh, depends on who I'm talking to. Mm -hmm. um, and I wish that wasn't the case. I wish I would just openly talk about, and I do, trust me, I talk about UFOs all the time to whoever will listen. So <laughs> uh, I'm, I, like my work now follows uh, everything I do and, and they're all into it and excited. And, and um, I, I think... Yes, it has evolved. I feel a little less of the ridicule, but I also feel like I have to defend the topic a lot to people. So uh, when that comes up, you know, if I do meet with somebody that is that object of this is ridiculous, uh, I'm like, no, listen. And I start listing off all these really credible things about uh, the study of UFOs and how they exist and how the military's involved, how the government's involved, uh, and it becomes this whole tirade of, of me trying to defend the subject. And uh, so I don't know if that answers the question. So I guess a little bit it's changed. I, it was so long ago I started, I don't yeah. remember how I felt about it at that time. Shane, you mentioned you're, you're known as the UFO guy at work now, so I guess it's a little different for you now than when you started. Yeah, I, I think part of it for me is I'm almost 60 years old, and you get a point in your life where you just say, you know, I don't give a you-know-what, <laughs> what anybody thinks about me or what I'm doing. You know, I'm going to do what I want to do. It's my life. Right. You know, so I reached that point, I think, that, that helped me get over it. But I think in general, just th there truly is a reduction in that ridicule factor and people are quite curious and I'll even give props to ancient aliens, you know. Sure. That show has reached millions upon millions mm -hmm. of people and people are, if if they're not in agreement with it, at least they're, you know, aware of it and and more comfortable with the topic, which before would have just been taboo. I mean look what happened to Danikin when he released that book in the seventies, you know, people lost their minds. It was it was terrible. So um, I, th I think that kind of exposure can, has, has really made an impact. And Ryan, I know you're almost 60 as well. Have you reached the same point as Shane? <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, no, I, there's two things for me. Uh, one, I agree with Maureen. We spent so much time in our ufological careers defending the topic and trying to persuade people to 
either be interested or believe it. And there came a point for me when I just, like you guys, I said, I don't care what other people think anymore. You can't force someone to be interested in the UFO topic. Right. Even if they had a sighting, I had a guy who had a close encounter. He went to a bar and had two beers and then never talked about it again. And he didn't, he told me it changed his life, but he said, I also don't ever want to talk about it again. Right. So that was interesting. For me, there was a moment this past Father's Day when my father sent me a photo of himself in a t shirt and it said, I'm a proud UFO dad. That's awesome. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I didn't know it sounds corny, but I almost like started crying. Yeah, oh my awesome. god, I need to get my dad you that know, shirt. Every <laughs> son like wants that reinforcement <laughs> yes. from their own parent, especially in the field of career they choose. So for me, that was a really cool moment, and it really showed me like, yeah, it's okay to talk about these things, but at the same time, we can't force people to to believe in it or or to even be interested in it. Right. We can only give the facts as they are, mm-hmm. tell the stories, and uh, hope they'll follow us on, on the journey. I think it's worth it. Yeah, well said. Well, citizens, as we wrap up this episode, I invite you to come join us in the Rogue Planet Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Rogue Planet. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the stigma surrounding the UFO topic or anything else UFO-related that's on your mind. You can find more episodes of Unknown on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. You can always find this show at RoguePlanet.tv because Unknown is a Rogue Planet production. RoguePlanet.tv is your home for all the strange. Big thanks to our talented friend and fellow Rogue Planeteer, Caleb Hanks, for the show's intro and outro music. Check out all his work at TheClerkChronicles.com. Thanks again for hanging out with us today. I'm Jason McClellan. I'm Ryan Sprague. I'm Maureen Ellsbury. And I'm Shane Hurd. Do us a favor, friends. <laughs> Always treat the UFO subject with the cautious and responsible skepticism it deserves. Question everything. Have the courage to form your own opinions. Keep truth as the focus of your quest, even if the truth conflicts with your opinions. And, of course, stay strange. Stay strange.